Hundreds of times in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, God points his people toward hope, a coming Messiah, someone who is going to redeem God's people, someone who is going to put joy and hope and peace back in the lives of God's people. Hundreds of times in our Old Testament, he uses prophets and others to point toward a coming Messiah. And that Messiah shows up in our New Testament. And those that would believe in this Messiah called Jesus would continue to tell the story of the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. Indeed, cover to cover in our Bible, hundreds and hundreds of times, people who believe point us as believers toward the Messiah, who is the one we can hope in. And every time we gather on a Sunday morning like today, our hope is that we would point each other toward a Messiah who wants to give us unconditional love and hope for a future. The Gospel of John is written in the last days of the disciple John, who paints this incredible picture of who Jesus truly is. We're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning, so if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me. The text will be on the screen as well. But John paints this glorious, beautiful picture of who Jesus truly is and the hope that we can find in different ways that Jesus interacts in our lives that we're going to look at this morning. But before we get there, it's already been mentioned, but you know it's only a week away. Those of us that have already checked the list off, we've got the gifts wrapped just the way we want them underneath the tree. There's a few of us in here that might have a couple more things to pick up along the way. And then there are some of us in here who need to get started today. That's just the way it is. We've got all kinds. And you remember about three weeks ago, I pointed out and reminded you of the Sears Wishbook catalog. My brothers and I couldn't wait to get that in the mail every Christmas holiday season. And we would sit at the dining room table and thumb through that and just kind of write down the list, the things that we wanted Santa Claus to bring us. And notoriously, as dads do, my dad would come by and look at our list and go, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> That's just what dads do. Don't get your hopes up. As a matter of fact, my dad would always, as I became of age and living at home, every Christmas he would buy me a brand new 99-cent matchbox car to tell me that he bought me a new car for Christmas. Again, that's just what dads do. And there are moments when we woke up on Christmas morning and we didn't get everything that we wanted that was on our list. And sometimes our, our hopes would be dashed in the moment. While glad for the gifts, we wanted that one thing that just didn't show up. And in real life, we've had moments where our hopes have been dashed. As we've come out of this COVID event the past couple of years, we've lost friends and family members that were very close to us. Our hopes have been dashed when we tried to reconcile our marriage and it just didn't work out. Our hopes have been dashed when we saw our adult children walking away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our hopes have been dashed when our financial situation did not improve because the stock market wasn't doing what it wanted to or was doing what it wanted to, not what we wanted it to do. There have been moments when our hopes have been dashed, when people didn't come through like they said that they would. But this morning, I want to talk about what God says in his word. Because church, every single time we open God's word, God only says, get your hopes up. In Jesus Christ, church, we have hope. 
And we can celebrate that not only during this holiday season, but every single day of our life. That is what the gospel is all about in this holiday season. And last week and the week before, we asked this question, then what is hope? And it's this joyful expectation for the future. It's this idea that in Jesus Christ, tomorrow, next week, indeed next year, is going to be better than it ever has been before. It's going to be anticipatory promised life that God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ. I mean, wouldn't you like to have that kind of life that was so full of hope that you went to work differently on a Monday morning? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of, of hope that, that helped you love on your spouse even better than you do right now? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of hope that helped you interact with your kids in ways that they would admire and love? Wouldn't you love to have that kind of hope that made you look at the world around you differently as if the glass is half full, not half empty? Wouldn't you like to have that kind of hope that, that our Dallas Cowboys are going to make the playoffs and move forward in that, that direction? John shows us, shows us four beautiful pictures of Jesus Christ in John chapter 1. As he writes and introduces who Jesus is to all of us and the hope we can have in him, our text begins in verse 1 of John chapter 1. The word, word in our text, by the way, is just another one for Jesus. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. And the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never, ever extinguish it. Those five verses are going to be read all over the world in churches in different languages and cultures, because it's the promise of the coming King, the Messiah that we so desperately want in our lives. And John paints a beautiful picture here of four pictures of what hope truly looks like. And right off the bat, we see that, that hope is revealed in God's cosmic creation. When you take a look at the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, he starts, both of them start at the manger which is appropriate for this time of year, but not so with John. When you look at John, John goes all the way back to the very beginning of time to remind us that Jesus has always been. He's always been with us. And John echoes the first words of Genesis in chapter 1 and chapter 2. John wants to, to reconnect the reality of creation with the Messiah reminding us that the Messiah has always been a part of the picture. And in creation, we see the, the power and the magnitude of the God that we serve, who is an amazing God, church. He is all-powerful. We're reminded that before there was a world that needed saving, there was a Savior who created the world. And he not only created our world, but all worlds. In our galaxy, we live on this little planet we call Earth. But when you look out into the expanse, there are so many galaxies. And in our Milky Way alone, there are 100,000 million celestial things that exist. 
God created all of it. John says today, find hope because the God with that kind of power who can simply speak things into existence wants a personal relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ, which we celebrate today and every day. John's first picture reminds us that before there was a world that needed saving, there was a Savior who created the world. Verse 14, so the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. John takes this massive God that can create celestial planets and everything that we know of, and he brings him down to our size in the form of a baby being born amongst us. This larger-than-life God came to our world in person, and that's what we celebrate this holiday season. And you may be asking this morning, does God actually see me and know me during this season of hope? And John reminds us that God has not gone anywhere. And he's inserted himself into the human story so he could be a part of your personal story. Hope is revealed in creation. But hope is also revealed in the cradle. You see, Jesus left heaven and poured himself into a human body. He walked among us, lived among us, so that he would get to know our story, could commune with us, connect with us, and we with him. You see, this baby that grew up, lived among us. He got his hands dirty, and some 33 years into his life, he gave us the greatest gift that you and I will ever get in our entire life. He did something very special and powerful for us. And we can find hope in knowing that he left the splendor of heaven to live with us and share in our story. I've introduced a, a guy by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer before, and Dietrich was a priest living in Germany. He was a German, but came to the States for a little while until suddenly Nazi regime took over Germany in the mid-1900s. And so Dietrich decides to go back home so that he can pastor and be with his people, speak to his people, encourage them in, in their moment of, of need into this hope and light that's only found in Jesus. Eventually, Dietrich is arrested by the Nazis He's imprisoned in an internment camp, and in 1945, the Nazi party will kill him for his beliefs. But while he's in this camp, in this dismal setting, in this dark moment in his life, he says this about the Messiah. God is in the manger. Wealth in poverty, light in darkness, succor in abandonment. No evil can befall us. Whatever men may do to us, they cannot but serve the God who is secretly revealed as love and rules the world and our lives. And church, we can have hope even in the darkest moments of our life as well because our Savior, Jesus the Christ, walks and journeys with us even in camp. Bonhoeffer found hope in an incredible Jesus. After all, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, which literally translated means God is with us. And this morning, we can find hope in the fact that God is with you 
in your story, in this difficult time that is in your life. And it describes Jesus to a T. We can put our hope in the cradle and see God in all of creation. But the third picture that John paints for us is of a baby who grew up to be a man and began ministry here on earth. And so the Gospel of John records something John the Baptist said about Emmanuel in verse 29 of chapter 1. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's not some ambiguous idea. It's not just some some amoeba thing out there that you can't really get your arms around. No, John literally points to Jesus walking on the banks of the Jordan River and says, right there, that is your hope. The, The Lamb of God, the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we can have faith and trust in God in his son, Jesus Christ. This lamb will atone for all of us and so that we can live with him forever. You see, we have hope that is revealed at the cross as well. Not only in creation, not only at the cradle, but also at the cross. And while we celebrate Jesus' birth and we use our nativity scenes in our homes to do that in special ways, his purpose was the greatest gift that you and I will ever receive. Dying on the cross so that we could receive forgiveness of our sin and the hope of eternal life, living with him forever. Church, that is something to rejoice about. The greatest gift. You see, Jesus died to deliver and redeem you, to buy you back because you are his special creation. He loved you enough to give his life for you. I mean, you think about that story that we'll look at next week in, de- in detail. Joseph and Mary are headed to Bethlehem because Caesar in Rome has declared there needs to be a census, there needs to be a count. And the Jewish leadership has compelled all of Israelites to go back to their hometown where they can be written down in a ledger. And so they make that journey from Nazareth to, to Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary sitting on a donkey and very, very pregnant. They get to Bethlehem and they go to the normal place where, where wage earners, sojourners can, can kind of camp out for the night, but all of the spaces are, are full. There's nothing left for them. And so some scholars believe maybe they got a, a farmer's cave on the outskirts of town where he was keeping some of his, his livestock and animals. And it's dark now. The, the stars are out. It's getting cold. And so they're inside this cave, and in the background, Joseph can hear the the lowing of the cattle, the bleeding of the sheep, the crickets in the distance. And Mary says, this child is about to come. And so Joseph, to the best of his ability as a first-time father, gathers around some, some clean straw, kind of creates a bed for Mary. They pull the manger close for her to hang on to. And in the dark of the night, you hear a baby's cry. Jesus is born. And after Mary cleans him up and wraps him in swaddling clothes, lays him in the manger for his first night's sleep. It's this beautiful picture of God coming to earth and moving into our neighborhood in order to deliver us. 
How many of you in this room have ever watched the show Gunsmoke? Raise your hand. Oh, more than I thought. This, I thought this crowd would be, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But in all of those westerns, when you go down Main Street, you're kind of coming into town on your horse, mid-1800s, there's always a livery stable. And that's the place, if you're going to be in town any stretch of time, you take your animal. So you're riding the horse, you take it to the livery, a man comes out and gets your horse. You go about your business. Maybe you've got a, a cart with oxen. You take it to the livery, and the guy's going to take care of it. What does he do? He takes your animal inside. He takes the saddle off, the blanket off. He takes the yoke off the oxen. He waters and feeds the animals. And in the livery stable, when you do that, it's called delivering the animal, removing the burden. And you see, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. He delivered us from the burden of sin that we have in our life. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I would not be sinful anymore and yet look right in the sight of God so that we could live with him forever. Praise God. Hallelujah. The thing that condemned you has been removed from you because of what the greatest gift of all time has done for us. Matter of fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 103 that he has thrown our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a pretty good distance. We are made right because of Jesus' gift to us. Hope is revealed in creation. Hope is revealed at the cradle, and hope is also revealed at the cross. But there's a fourth picture that is also conjured up by John in his writing. It's in verse 41. While we see these pictures that John has created, the fourth picture really connects Christ as king. And in Jesus' ministry, he takes on followers. There are many hundreds of people who are following Jesus because he's preaching righteousness. He is showing truth. He's healing those who are sick and raising the dead. He's feeding those who are poor and in need of food. Many are following him, but we know those closest to him by name, the 12 disciples. And two of those guys are by the names of Andrew and Peter. Both of them are brothers. They work for their dad who's in the fishing industry. Now, Andrew and Peter would have heard the story of the coming Messiah their entire life. And the entire nation of Israel have been waiting on the Messiah. Every Passover meal that they've had as a family... They've heard the story of Exodus and how God in the Old Testament has pointed them toward a coming Redeemer, a coming Messiah. Indeed, there would be an empty cup in the middle of the table. That cup is set alone for the Messiah to walk through the door and drink. They have heard of the coming Messiah forever. And suddenly, Andrew hears a rabbi and puts the pieces together to recognize this has been the guy we've been waiting on, the Messiah. Verse 41 in our text. So Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Messiah and Christ both mean the same thing, the anointed one of God, the Savior, the Redeemer. He is our connection to hope. And in Jesus, we realize that hope is more than just an idea, church. It is the person named Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And hope will be revealed in your life when you crown him king of your life. 
When you make Jesus Christ king of your heart, that's when real hope will emerge for you. And we confirm our lives for him in this season of hope, in this holiday season, even as we turn into the year 2023, which is hard to already believe we're talking about the coming year. But we declare the him Lord by how our actions reveal that, how our words reveal that. And every single person in this room or those that are joining us online, as we move through this holiday season and into 2023, you are going to reveal Jesus in your life in one of three ways. No other options. You will reveal him in one of three ways. One, Jesus is just a lunatic. Doesn't really know what he's talking about. Secondly, Jesus is a liar. He's just looking for fame and fortune. He's selling anything he can to get that attention. Or third, Jesus is Lord of your life. One of those three. And in this season of hope, it is a call for all of us to put Jesus in his proper place. And that is King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of your life. Amen? That's the person that we want to rule and move us forward in life. He's the very hope that we've all been waiting for. He's the peace and joy that you and I long for in our life. He's the only one that can truly provide that. I'm going to go ahead and ask our shepherds and their wives to gather around the room on this wall as we do every Sunday. And as we sing this next song, the challenge is for me and you to latch on to this idea to make Jesus Christ Lord of our life. That we would truly lean in. And I know that there are some in this room, maybe joining us online, you've never ever declared that Jesus Christ was Lord of your life. Today is the day. Don't wait another day. It's the greatest gift that you can ever give yourself. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And every knee will bow before him one day. And so today, go to one of our shepherds and declare that to them. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Be baptized into his name. Rise up out of that water, a brand new creation, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to retell the story of how Jesus has changed your life. And for some of us, we've already done that. But for whatever reason, the distractions of the world have pulled our eyes off of Jesus. This is a call for all of us who claim that Jesus is Lord of our life to refix our eyes to the King of Kings, to pay homage to him, to say, my hope is in you and you alone. That's the call this morning. And my hope is that you will answer that call. Two questions to end with. God is asking you to do something. What is he asking you to do? Only you can answer that question. Today's the day to fully answer the hope of hope that is the King of Kings, Jesus the Christ. Make him Lord of your life. Let's stand together as the family of God and praise his holy name.